0: Matthew 22, verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the erodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth, neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness uh, and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Let us pray. Our Father, as we bow in your presence, I do thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. I thank you, our Father, that we don't have to be in darkness concerning how we as believers in you need to react to this world. But I believe, Lord, you give us direction in the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth tonight. Be a help and, and uh, be informative and helpful and we might uh, find direction uh, from you tonight. God, give us wisdom and may the message be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Get glory to your name and meet each need tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, we'd like to get right into the message. Again, these are principles uh, that should guide Christians when it comes to, you could call it politics or voting or whatever. Uh, I don't think politics, uh, you know, uh, has to be wrong. I think uh, there's a lot of things wrong about it. And sometimes we get very disillusioned. I get quite disappointed, Uh, you know. And uh, I just believe when you... Uh, when you make a promise, you ought to keep it. That's just the way I am. I, uh, if, if it's possible, and uh, you know, seemingly many times, candidates for political office, I, I think, I think sometimes their intentions are are right, and and yet when they get an office, they find that uh, maybe they can't do what they thought they could do. But uh, anyway, be that as it may. Uh, these are principles that I think need to direct. First of all, Christians are to be involved in the democratic process of voting. I believe that Christians ought to be involved. And he says here in verse 21, as uh, uh, they're tempting him about uh, paying taxes, really, and I remember uh, a preacher uh, some years ago, uh, you know, uh, uh, came to the wilds. We were having the student convention there, and If I remember right, he had a Christian school and and approached me on this matter of taxes and uh, basically said that paying taxes was unconstitutional and uh, that Christians should not pay taxes and he uh, was not paying taxes and and was encouraging others not to pay taxes as well. Well, I heard a few years ago that he was in federal penitentiary uh, serving a sentence. Jesus said, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Now I, like you, uh, am quite disappointed by with, uh, how they use the tax money uh, in, in many respects. But I do not believe that it is wrong to pay taxes as such. I do believe it is wrong to, for taxes to be used for abortions and things of this nature, and we ought to do everything we can to change that. In fact, I believe, I believe there's enough Christians uh, in North Carolina. I, I uh, got information uh, just recently uh, how that uh, uh, the abortion funding in North Carolina had, uh, it, it was uh, uh, up in the millions of dollars of taxpayer-funded abortions. I think last year the legislature appropriated $50,000. So that's quite an improvement. And I think they ought to go to zero. But, uh, uh, you know, that is certainly a reason for voting, to vote for people that will stop funding these uh, wicked and sinful acts, uh, such as abortion. So uh, I believe that Christians ought to be involved, not only uh, as American citizens, but as Christian people to try to influence our country in the right way. And I know that, uh, that things will get worse in spite of all we do. But Jesus says, you're the soul of the earth. You're the light of the world. And I believe we're to still be that. So I believe we're to be involved. T- number two, uh, and let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you will. We'll be looking at different scripture tonight. Christians are to pray for their governmental leaders. You know, I think it is hypocritical to criticize and talk about a political leader, and never pray for them. In fact, I believe it's a sin not to pray for them. The Bible said, "Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin." I must admit, sometimes I find it difficult to pray for a leader that is wicked and and uh, you know is a liberal, and uh, especially when it comes to to morality. Uh, but, but when it comes down to it, uh, who needs more prayer? They, someone like that needs more prayer than others. Right. That ought to encourage us to pray. And many times we don't do that. Now, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he goes into detail for our kings and for all that are in authority. Now there it is. I don't know how you get away from that. He said, I want you to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. And he tells us the reason why. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. The Lord says you need to pray for them so that they may not pass laws that would interfere with their worship in God. And that's why we need to pray for them. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So we need to pray. Pray for governmental leaders. Pray for kings and for all that are in authority. We may lead a quiet and peaceful life. Sometimes uh, laws are passed that interfere with our liberties. And we, we get mad and we get upset about it. And we get well, There's a great outcry. Where's the cry before it happens? Where's the prayers? And someone said, uh, uh, pray and then put feet on your prayers. Yeah. I heard of a lady one time. I believe it was a lady. They were praying for this beer joint. Uh, you know, that was in the community and was a bad influence upon the young people and upon the community. And they were praying that the Lord would get rid of that beer joint. And one night it burned to the ground. And they inquired and researched and found that this little lady went and set on fire. She said, I believe putting legs on my prayers. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not saying to do that. But we are to pray. Now, thirdly, Christians are admonished to respect and obey their governmental leaders except when they're commanded to be disobedient to the teaching of Holy Scripture. Now, let's turn to Romans Chapter 13, we ought to obey the laws of the land and obey governmental leaders. Now, Romans 13, page 1207, verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You know, that's that's the thing that bothers me, that troubles me. You know what kind of president we'll get? It's exactly what we deserve. Yeah, that's right. And it reveals the, the character of a nation. The powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thy then not be afraid of the pyre, Do that which is good. Thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if I do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So there you have it. We are to obey and submit to governmental authority. And uh, uh, those leaders uh, that... Uh, uh, are are uh, appointed or elected to carry out the laws of this country. You know something that concerns me. Of course, our founding fathers. Thank God. Uh, you know, uh, in their wisdom, and I believe in the in the fear of God. Uh, you know, was able to to uh, write a constitution and a bill of rights and uh, and uh, set up a republic. If it was not for that, I fear that our freedom would already be gone because of some of the ridiculous laws that have been passed. Uh, We are a democracy, but more than that, we are a republic, a democracy. 51% can do anything in a democracy, but not in a republic. 99% of Congress can vote a law in But if if it's unconstitutional, it's worthless. Or uh, 100% can vote it in. And so the Supreme Court judges really are the ones that determine the constitutionality. That's why a president is very important. Because uh, the president appoints the judges, and is it the Senate that has to approve them? Uh, But uh, uh, the the Constitution basically says what those nine people say it says. And But that's kept us free, I think, for these years. So uh, thank God for that, that we have, we have a republic. Uh, one, one wrote, I uh, uh, can't remember his name now, but one of our founding fathers says, you have a republic if you can keep it. And we need to, we need to fight with every being that's in us to keep this country a republic. Because right. if we don't, the tendency our country is, the direction our country is headed, we are in serious trouble if we don't keep it a republic. Well, uh, now, uh, we are to obey those in authority, I believe, to a point. And Acts five twenty nine says, we ought to obey God rather than men. They threatened the disciples and says, we told you, you couldn't speak in this name of Jesus anymore. And they chose to disobey governmental authority because in order to obey God, they had to, to disobey governmental authority. I believe we're to obey mm-hmm. governmental authority until, until in doing that we would have to disobey God. Then I think that's the point. I disagree with some preachers, you know. Some preachers, uh, you know, believe. In fact, John Rice, and I respected him, but I didn't, I didn't agree with John Rice on everything. And uh, I didn't agree with him on tithing. And I didn't agree with him on the, on the position that he took that a wife ought to be obedient to her husband regardless. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. I believe a wife ought to be submissive to a husband. But if a husband says, Wife, yeah, I want you to get drunk with me, I don't believe she ought to get drunk with him. I believe she ought to obey him unless she has to disobey God in obeying him. And then I think that's where you draw the line Dislike here. Okay, now, fourthly, Christians should elect to office those candidates who will uphold a mirror in their personal lives, Mm -hmm. biblical righteousness. You know, the question arises, is character an issue? It's the major issue, in my mind anyway, because character is what you are, and what you are affects what you do. I think it was uh, Dr. Hired that says uh, we teach a little by what we say. We teach more by what we do, but we teach most by what we are. And character is what we are. And, and it's a sad state of affairs in America when we have reached the state that in many people's mind, character is not even supposed to be an issue. <laughs> if a person doesn't have character, I wouldn't trust them, you know, as far as I could see them. <laughs> That's the major issue. Proverbs fourteen thirty four says, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts the nations. Now, candidates should reflect biblical righteousness in these areas. Number one, the biblical family structure. I believe it ought to be family oriented, and a lot of uh, you know a has been uh, made of of uh, uh, family rights, and and candidates, you know, they pick up on what's popular, and and uh, a lot of times they, uh, it's amazing, you know, they. Uh, a candidate uh, a few years ago may, may, may have been totally against something, but, you know, this is the tide of the, uh, the time, so they jump on the wagon and, and whatever's popular with the people, the family issues thing. But uh, I believe that a candidate ought to reflect, and again, this goes back to character. They ought to reflect basic family uh, ideals and what we believe in as family, the family structure. And, of course, God established the family in the beginning. And the Bible says in, in uh, Mark 10 verse 6, from the beginning, God made them male and female. Right. And I believe it can all reflect that. Right. ought to stand up for the family. Two men are not a family. Right. God does not recognize that. Mm-hmm. God recognizes it as, as an abomination. Mm-hmm. That does not reflect mm-hmm. God's standard. And so uh, he made them male and female. So the Mm -hmm. biblical family structure, one man, one woman, a family, children, that's God's ordained plan from the beginning. That's the way God established it. I believe candidates ought to reflect that. And I realize a candidate can't cure all the ills of America, but I believe they ought to stand for what's right, don't you? They ought to stand up for what's right. And then, second of all, local churches should be allowed to remain free from governmental interference i don 't think the government 's got any business trying to direct the ministry of the church that 's right and that 's been an issue of course I, I guess that that was the major issue that uh, uh, that got Christians involved. You know, I was taught, and, and it was kind of commonly believed, that Christians, uh, that uh, government and church, uh, separation of church and state, and, and Christians really shouldn't be involved and let things go as they, as they will. And, uh, but the government began to stick their dirty hands in, in the church and try to direct the ministry of God. And they says, you can't have a Christian school. We'll throw you in jail. Now, they've been preachers all across this country have been put in jail. You remember uh, Everett Sullivan? He spoke here. That's been a long time ago now. And they padlocked his church in Nebraska. You remember when that happened? Who would have thought that would happen in America? And uh, uh, I believe that uh, uh, that that ought to be an issue. Uh, The Bible says in Acts 20 and uh, verse 28, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. The Lord makes a distinction. And I think the position that leaders take uh, regarding uh, the ministry of the local church is an important issue. Uh, What is your position on that issue? And then Psalm 139, if you'll turn there please. Psalm 139. The third thing is uh, the sacredness of human life from conception to death. And I believe that life begins at conception. And that is an issue that's going to direct my vote. In fact, that's a major issue. I'll just be honest with you, and I've said it before. If a person favors abortion, I'm against them. I don't care what party they belong to. I'm against them. That's the major issue in my mind. It may not be in your mind, but it is in my mind. Uh, and again, that goes back to what a person is. The sacredness of human life from conception to death. A person is a human being for the moment of conception. We'll see that here in Psalm 139, verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearful and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Talking about the womb. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. I don't know how under heaven you can read that scripture and, and decide that, a, that an unborn child is not a human being. Right. David here is recognizing God's hand even uh, before birth. And uh, there's a, an illustration in the book of Luke there when uh, the angel Gabriel, you know, announces to Elizabeth there the. Uh, conception, the birth of John the Baptist and then she goes to Mary and, and announces the supernatural Holy Ghost conception of Jesus Christ and Mary goes to visit Elizabeth her cousin and at that time the Elizabeth is six months along with John the Baptist and when Mary comes in and salutes her the babe leaps in her womb at the presence of Jesus Christ. Read it. And he's probably not over a couple of weeks old conception. Life begins at conception. The Bible is very clear on that. And you read on the law of Moses... I believe it 's in the book of Leviticus anyway, where he talks about if a, if a man hurts a woman that 's expected that if there 's any if there 's any any danger if, if there 's anything comes to the woman or the child, the unborn child that 's life for life. The law of Moses recognized the sacredness of human life. I think you know uh, uh, if a person did not right there, they, I wouldn't trust them in other areas. Right. Now Jennifer's in the hospital. You know, they're going to induce labor tomorrow, I think. I mean, that baby is ready to be born. I want to ask you, if they delivered that baby, breech delivery everything but the head, jobbed an instrument in the back of the skull and opened up the back of the skull and sucked that baby's brains out. Would that be wrong? What do you think about that? The Congress said, or at least enough, enough uh, a majority in the Congress said they believed that was wrong and passed a law to forbid that. And again, I don't know all the details that were in that law. But Bill Clinton, their president, vetoed that legislation and the Congress could not override his veto. And if I had opportunity to talk to the president, which I won't, but if I had opportunity, I'd like to ask him why. I mean, I, even a person that favors abortion in the early terms, I don't see how anybody could live with that. The sacredness of human life from conception to death. Unless, unless there's something there that I don't know about, and this idea, I have heard this idea of the life of the mother. Now, you can buy, I don't buy that. Because if the baby is delivered except the head, I don't think the life of the mother is a factor. That's right. Now, how, how could that argument? I don't, I don't think you can use that argument. <laughs> the sacredness of human life from conception to death. Number four, the work ethic and thrift. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 said, If you don't work, you don't eat. You realize that's the Bible, that's the Bible. And Proverbs 10. I'm not talking about people disabled and aged and sick. I'm i and God's not talking about that. He's talking about people that can and won't. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame, the worth work ethic. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, uh, I think the Congress passed a welfare uh, uh, bill and that's supposed to remedy, uh, and I think the president signed it, uh, which I give him credit for that. And again, I don't know all the details that's involved in that. So, uh, but... Uh, uh, it's not designed or was not designed to be a way of life, that you live your whole life. You do That's the way you live. It was to help in times of need. So the work ethic. Uh, number five, accepting full and ultimate responsibilities for attitudes and behavior. Romans 14, verse 7 through 12, 12 verse 7 said, None of us live it to himself, and no man died to himself. A candidate should, I guess you could place that under a crime and that, that aspect of it. And then, number six, reflect a Christian lifestyle and character. And, of course, Exodus 20 talks about the Ten Commandments there. Uh, you know, it's a sad, sad day in America when, uh, you know, uh, you can't post the Ten Commandments on the wall of the school or, or uh, sometimes the governmental office or whatever. And without the Ten Commandments, you might as well throw the justice system out the window. The whole basis of right and wrong, the whole basis of our legal system is, is the Ten Commandments. "Thou shall not kill, thy shall not steal, "Thou shall not bear false witness, and on and on it goes. Uh, you know, that's the foundation. And they say, no, you can't have that. That's mixing, uh, you know, government with religion. Uh, but in Ephesians 4, let me read a few verses there. Ephesians 4 and uh, verse uh, 24. Ephesians 4:24, And that you put on the new man, uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put in away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. are members one of another, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good he may have to give to him that needeth. Christian lifestyle and character. We've already talked about character. Number seven, loving others regardless of religion, uh, economic status, and so forth. And, of course, 1 Corinthians 13 deals with with, uh, love. And of all people, Christians ought to exemplify love, shouldn't they? A lot of times we don't. We're to hate sin, but we're to love the sinner. And uh, we're to reflect Christian character, and we're to reflect love to people. And love is the greatest thing of all, he says. He talks, gives that great chapter there in 1 Corinthians on love. And you can have it all, but if you don't have love... Uh, you know, there's not much to it. So we need to reflect love. And then number five, Christian Americans should endeavor to live their lives so that God can and will bless them and America. And uh, we need to uh, uh, set the example. And again, Ephesians 5 there, let me read a few verses. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication, loyal uncleanness, or covetousness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather given of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And so uh, God uh, expects us to live an exemplary, exemplary life And in Proverbs 29, verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And how true that is. And so, God help us as Christian people to do what we ought to do. You say, well, you know, don't make any difference. Don't make any difference. uh, I'm not going to have any effect, so I'm not going to be involved. Well, where it has an effect or not, we ought to do right. Say, well, the rest of the world's living in sin, the rest of the world's living like the devil, so I might as well live like the devil too. Would that be the attitude? No, we're supposed to live right regardless of what everybody else does. If everybody in the whole world does wrong, we'll still do right. My first responsibility is to please God and do what I ought to do before God. And if it helps the country, if it helps the state, if it helps the county, if it helps things, then that's good. But if it doesn't help, and the wicked bear through, I've done right. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've done the right thing. And I believe if enough God's people would do the right thing, I believe... You know, I believe righteous people would would, uh, would rule. I grew up. I grew up uh, uh, where you voted your party regardless. I mean, you voted for the man as long as they were so-and-so. <laughs> and the men of your party, they was all right all right, you know. Uh, they wanted, you know the ones in the other party couldn't have been any good because there in that party. (laughs) You know, they had to be bad. (laughs) But uh, I think we need to examine each individual and then apply these principles. And sometimes you don't have as clear a choice as you like to have. You don't have night and day. Sometimes you have You know, this one's bad and this one's not quite as bad. And it's sad that uh, we don't always have the clear choices that we'd like to have. But I do think we ought to be involved try to do what's right as God may lead us. And again, applying biblical principles, asking these biblical things, these biblical questions, how does this individual measure up according to the standard that God draws? And then... Make the choice as best we can using, I think, those, uh, those uh, rules. And also, these are just some basic things that, uh, that were given here, and I hope they'll help us. Let's bow our heads.